You're listening to Rock Solid People, a podcast by Max King. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. Welcome to Rock Solid People, a podcast about amazing individuals. Today I have with me Vanessa Gange. And Vanessa, your role at Ozcare Support is? A support coordinator coach. And tell me, what does a support coordinator coach involve? Basically overseeing a team of, I've got a team of 13 independent coordinators, support coordinators. So I'm there pretty much to support them with any questions, guidance around implementing participants' NDIS plans. Wonderful. And you've been involved with Care Support prior to coming on board. We were, we were working with you for a few years in your role. You're based out of the South Coast in, in Nowra, lovely part of the world. Yes, Bomaderry. And what brought you to Bomaderry? Actually, I, well, I was living, I grew up in Sydney's Northern Beaches. Um, my husband and I separated, so I moved down to the South Coast with my boys about 11 years ago. We first moved to Vincentia. Then with all the road works and what have you, getting into work in Nara, I thought, I oh, know stuff this. So we moved to Bomaderry. Right. And how long have you been in Bomaderry now? Six years. Six years. Yeah. You have brought to the Oscar team an enormous amount of experience in the disability sector. Can you give us a little brief sort of journey that you've been on through uh, – so I think you were working at ADAC, were you? And, uh... Yeah, I was. I was. I, started, I first started off working in group homes and then I went to uni for a while and then I came to went to ADAC and started as a licensing officer. So we would monitor licensed boarding houses that had people living in there, people with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I think, I mean, I, 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 my first experience of working in a hostel a licensed hostel was in Marrickville for the first client that came on board with Ozcare Support, Adam Miller. I was quite surprised at how these places existed in, in you know, this was in Marrickville. 34 people, some of them in twin rooms, actually, which I think they've stopped now. And you've seen a huge change and increase in, in, in the quality of services provided, not just in the NDIS, but over the years that you've been involved in disability? Absolutely, particularly in licensed boarding houses as well. But there's definitely a lot more choice and control and a, more, a lot more respect for people with disabilities, I think, and appreciation of the challenges that family and siblings face as well. Mm. Yeah, right. And how much of that has been as a result of, of the changes and the NDIS coming in, into play? I think the NDIS has certainly promoted that, but I think there's been a lot of social push pretty much through advocacy as well, statewide peak agencies that have brought about and pushed for people with disabilities to be recognised as valuable members of our society and community. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And so support coordinators, it's one of the, uh, it's one of the esoteric concepts of the NDIS. <laughs> what is it that a support coordinator does and what do they not do? We do everything. Um, <laughs> right. you know, we, it really is about introducing somebody and helping them through their plan with the NDIS. And you're a fairly consistent person in that, in that person's life. They have change of staff, change of circumstances, so you're there just to see them through, manage any queries, problems, good or bad, with, with their implementation of their plan. 
but it's really, I mean, essentially we're funded by the NDIA. So it's very important to acknowledge that we're not advocates, we're not caseworkers, we're there to implement someone's plan of the things that have already been approved, which have been evidenced and that sort of thing. So that's our role. But it is very, very difficult when you come up to support somebody and you can see that their plan is not adequate or, you know, other things are going on in their lives that probably weren't taken into consideration. So it's a really fine sort of walking a tightrope act a lot of the time. Mm, mm. And with the challenges, as you say, of the idea that we're not advocates, but yet are drawn into advocacy often by a lack of clear delineation between advocacy, support coordination, existing case management supports. It is a challenge, I think, for for individuals. And when they come into a support coordination role, often the support coordinator wants to support that person in any way they can. And that's where sometimes there's there's a there's a, a challenge for support coordinators to separate themselves and understand boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. What? Because when the Commonwealth took over, it, the, the whole casework, case manager framework was removed. So everyone was sort of scuttling as like, okay, what do we do now? Mm. In terms of where the NDIS has come from, obviously, as you say, it's come on leaps and bounds. There's been some some huge increases in control and choice. What are we hoping that's going to be in the next, you know, this, it's been, the NDIS is now seven years old. What is the next seven years going to bring for us? That's a very interesting question. I hope it brings more generalised integration, really, rather than people being involved in specialist day programs or, you know, group home accommodation, whilst that's suitable for a lot of people, I think it would be really lovely to see society just living as society, you know, with people, whether you've got a disability or not, you know, if you've got a community centre, it involves everybody in the community, not just something set up for a person with a disability. I think that would be amazing. And that, uh, that, idea previously that you would support people with a a specific uh, facility for individuals with disability actually has increased Mm -hmm. isolation i mean that's that's what that's what you know you can you can if you if you sort of group everyone together from a cultural background or a specific you know it's going to isolate people because it continues to keep them away from mainstream community and, and and just interactions you know one of the things one of the great things i think about when my son goes to school is just the, the variety of different individuals he's he's encountering on a, on a daily basis uh, you know I, I watched him play basketball and there's lots of different sizes and colors of kids and they're all coming from different backgrounds and you know they've just mixing in this great team and they just all seem to be all very very team focused i mean really it was a big grudge match against Cranbrook School. So, you know, I just think it's, you know, it's that, that sort of thing. It's what you have in terms of that mix and melting pot of individuals. And I think it's, it's, it's very important. What changes in the future would you like to see uh, happen with support coordination? I think probably some sort of way that support coordinators can be supported, not to be able to separate themselves from that really sort of intense interface with participants. I think it's very much needed and to really sort of focus too on providing, we've got to remember too that support coordination is meant to be short term and so really looking at how we are actually building capacity for people to eventually implement their own plans. There will be some people that that's not going to happen but I think that we, we could be capacity building people 
in a better way if we were more supported to be able to get on to do with what we're actually being charged to do. Mm. Well, I think that's where we identified with the coach role that we Ozcare support uh, first of July this year. So you've you've come into the role. the The challenge of uh, of a team of thirty odd support coordinators. We identified that they needed support themselves, mm. and the uh, the promotion of you and Joe in, into that full time role internally to offer coaching and development rather than management and leadership. Because I think you know you are often in a situation where you need to be able to think on your own two feet and, and to be responsible and reliable. So we, we're very, very pleased with the progress of, a, of our own internal support coordination team and feel that the model that Oscar Support are developing, the, the independent contractor role supported by coaches, supported by a robust head office, is going to enable us to offer support coordination on a national basis when it comes up. And this is not supposed to be a plug for, for Oscar Support. This is... <laughs> <laughs> about me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, mess. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is very much about you and and what you're bringing to the role. And I think that's where we we feel very lucky. I had the a meeting with both of you this morning, and I feel very lucky. And 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 I think Oscar support are very lucky that we have the the team. In terms of the the criteria though, that makes a good support coordinator, you you've seen some some successes, some failures. What what's what is it that you think makes a great support coordinator? I think it's really important to be able to. I think that there's a level of definitely emotional intelligence that's required. Being able to read people, perceive people, listen to people, adapt yourself to flow into their communication mode, or however they need to express themselves, and. Also, though, to be able to step back and remember that we're there to build capacity, not create dependence, which can be quite difficult at times. But I think if you, you know, come with that ability and, you know, no job's too big or small, I mean, that's that's the thing. You don't, it's not really a situation you go, well, that's not my role, you know, which is what happens with some people and, and you don't like being that person, but. I think being able to sensibly put the boundaries around in place in the first instance is is a good thing to be able to do. Mm. Mm, I like that creating capacity, not creating dependence. That's uh, yes. and I think you know that that's the fine line, as I say, that we we have definitely been been walking. I, I was told by one of the other people that I interviewed from Disability Services Consulting that they thought that teachers made very good support coordinators, and the reason they said that is because. They felt that teachers could teach for a year and then they let the kids go. <laughs> so the idea of not building dependency was actually something that teachers do on a more regular basis. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because that is very much a capacity that you need to have, isn't it? To be able to, to be with someone for uh, potentially for a year and then wish them all the very best that you've done your job and, uh, and you let them go along, along on, their, on their journey. As I say, that teachers do every year. You invest a lot in, in, in students and then see them on their way. So uh, I don't know if we've got any teachings, teachers in the background for, from us, but we, we, we definitely feel that there's a strength of, of, of the team members that we've got, which is there is a huge amount of care and, I guess, consideration around what it is that we're, we're, we're working towards. And we, you and I had a conversation this morning around goals and, and impacts and, and outcomes. What, what, what is it that we internally are doing to measure the, the goals for our clients and impacts for our clients? Well, that's something that we're starting to look at now, really. Now that Joe and I are able to settle down more in the coach role, 
you know, look at the, the quality of, of how things are being implemented. Like we could easily say, yes, that goal's been achieved, but how good was it? How how constructive was it actually for that person? How relevant was it? And what impact has it had for them, you know? And I think that's really important because when we go forward and attend people, uh, attend people, attend reviews with people, just to ensure that those goals are being, you know, are up to date, that they're just not being rolled over and just, oh, well, we still need to work on that. Obviously, with COVID, bushfires, floods, it's impacted a lot on people, being a capacity to implement their plans because everything pretty much just shut down regarding services. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a lot of work, I think, to do there. You know, we've seen an increase in behavioural issues like particularly with children because they just haven't been able to have that that regular therapeutic support or, you know, attend school. They've had to remain at home, which I think has had a huge impact. And then that impacts also too on families where children going to school, it's often their respite. So I think going forward now, being able to make sure that we're focusing on people's goals, our progress notes, monitoring how the goal implementation is going will give us, you know, much better ground for really pulling up and being really quite consistent with our quality. Yeah, wonderful. In terms of that, as you say, the, 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 the outcome for COVID, what's your take on how this will be affecting us for years to come? Is, is it something that we need to be addressing with, with, uh, with, with you know, the general public? The, the, as you say, the stresses of the mental health, uh, that the outcomes that will have been affected? Well, I think already, I mean, I, I believe that even Medicare's like increased to standard 10 medical you know, GP mental health visits to 20. Right. But definitely, you know, the use of technology has been amazing throughout this and the NDIS was wonderful enough to ensure that people had access to like an iPad or something like that so that they could still work via Zoom or whatever the medium you can do on these things. So... Yeah, I think I think it really is. It's about addressing what happens with an isolation. I mean, there's talk of a third wave. So what does that look like for us and our people with disabilities? And I think that's where the, the, the fact that we don't have any certainty going into the future, there is still this very dark cloud of, of COVID hanging us, uh, over us. I mean, I, I know that we internally bought a significant number of th- several thousand masks and they're sitting in boxes at the moment and I'm hoping that they're going to be a waste of money in the future. I'm, I'm really hoping, but I, I, I have a feeling that you know, eventually we'll all be masked up and we'll all just have that as a, as a, as a daily routine. And, and it, look, I, I mean, yeah, who knows where it's going. Um, I'm just going to finish quickly with a couple of just the questions that you uh, we, we sent through to you on on the team's notice there. So uh, just three things that you would eradicate in the world and three things that you would keep all, at all costs, just as a final couple of questions now. So three things that you would eradicate. Would be flies, racism, <laughs> and am I allowed to say Trump? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say Trump. <laughs> You're not a fan of flies, though. That's uh, that's hilarious. Racism, I would agree. <laughs> As I say, explained to you with Rocco's basketball, I just don't understand how racism becomes more prevalent. In in you know, the, you can just watch these teams of all sorts of races and religions playing together. Oh. And then you know, the thought that there's racism out there in the world is just is is bizarre. And Trump, well, look, let's have a final flurry on. What do you think the result of the U.S. election will be? Do you think oh, Joe no. Biden will get it? Do you think Trump will? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't like to think about it. To be honest, when he first right. ran, I thought it was a publicity stunt. <laughs> no, I think we all we've all been very curious about the four years since then. And finally, three things that you can't live without within the world: Ness. Definitely, my children, my dogs, and my friends. I know that's children. probably a typical sort of response, but yeah. No, no, I, I think that's wonderful, Vanessa Gaines. You've been a wonderful guest on Rock Solid People. Thank you so much for taking part. And if you're keen to hear more interviews with interesting individuals, stay tuned for Rock Solid People. Thank you very much. Thanks, Max. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Rock Solid People. For more interviews, stay tuned.